0: Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center. It's Cofield and Company. Five
1: o'clock hours here, Battleborn Broadcast Center, the home of Battleborn. Injury Lawyers, 5709,000 is the number to talk to uh, ESPN Las Vegas Legal Insider. Justin Watkins, Matt Hoffman, and the rest of the crew here at Battleborn. Willie is alongside. Ari is back in our Finley Toyota Studios. We've got a big day of trades around VGK. At least one big note that we'll get to in just a couple minutes. March Madness to hit on. We're going to get to uh, what happened over the weekend against the Kings for the Golden Knights as we'll talk to uh, a former Kings player and analyst that's coming up in the middle of this five o'clock hour, but you know what time it is.
0: Battleborn injury lawyers presents the big five at five. Number five.
1: So I think a lot of the market was paying attention on Saturday to the lady rebels. They lose in a seven o'clock start on Saturday night. They lose by five. They were up five at the beginning of the fourth quarter and then kind of came unraveled, turned it over too much. In the fourth quarter, and the, I'll say, slightly better team, Arizona moves on. Lady Rebels out. But we think good things on the horizon. The game itself, were you disappointed in their performance in the fourth quarter?
2: No, I wasn't because I just – I think that Arizona finally came to – I think that the Lady Rebels played their best game – through the first three quarters and Arizona finally put their best game on the court. I mean, you're watching it. I don't think that there's anything that they could have done differently to overcome with it. What Arizona, not, it looked not, like it
1: not throw the ball away, not force the ball into the post and make more threes. They well. by the way, is the that, un, is that unfair? Or can we not, can we not cover this? No, the way we do every other. Sport?
2: No, everything that you're saying is, is correct, but right. they were under different duress. That's like it's, it's almost like in a football situation, like all of a sudden, like we're not blitzing effectively. And then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, the quarterback's under duress
1: and it, it's an entirely different defense. And yeah, well, we, 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 would, we could say the same thing about Notre Dame freaking blew it against Texas Tech. Texas Tech in, you know, pressure situation is like, all right, we're going to ratchet it up. And Notre Dame freaking wilted and fell apart. So in your
2: eyes, UNLV lost. Arizona didn't win. You know, they be lost? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with they, saying that. They blew the game. I, I,
1: I actually think it's insulting to the players and the coaches to go, you know, what? good effort. No, no we, no, we, we no, wanted no, no. to win. It's not a, we it's we not had a, the game no, in no. hand. It's not. A, we no. didn't
0: execute the way we did.
1: No way is it a moral quarters, victory. We needed to do a better job. There's nothing wrong with that. No way is it a moral victory.
2: Not saying that. Not saying that. And no, I'm not saying – they. Arizona built a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter because they finally played their defensive style of game. UNLV did their best to make a run at the end, and they didn't get it done. They lost.
1: Arizona also built a double-digit lead because uh, in college basketball, I guess there's there's no technicals for taunting and acting like a jackass. This is true. Who is this, Kate Reese? Kate Reese is Calm their down. star. Calm down.
2: That was your first game back since Well, mid- I'm excited February. for
1: her, but, eh. you know, chest bumping and you freaking. You weren't happy about it. Gesturing, and I saw you were. Dis- now I will say, Desiree Ray Young did at least one flex running up the floor at the Arizona crowd, which was fun. Sure. I guess I'm not objective on this.
2: Essence Booker hit that three in the in the in the thing. And she yelled, "Let's go!" There was no taunting.
1: Yeah, I think a little better ball move uh, ball movement. Although they did have a couple of open threes that they missed, but a little little too much shooting early in the shot clock, it got them. And uh, am I supposed to like that? I will agree. Barnes or not I'm supposed to like her? I don't
2: know. She's. I mean, yeah, she's. I get, she's I, had her. She's I, had I, I her run-ins with. Yeah. She's had her run-ins with them. You know, the flipping off and the this that. Uh-huh. I've interviewed her. I've did a one-on-one with her for my personal site during pandemic times. And she, uh, she's a good coach. She's young. You know, she, she's. A, she's a WNBA a former WNBA star. You know, she's. I mean, you. You. It's. She's a lover or, or hater type of coach. Okay. Absolutely.
1: All right. Uh, the Thomas family story. You think ESPN covered it pretty well?
2: Oh, they were. it was above and beyond. And I love right. it. I, I actually, if you remember, uh, when they named it on selection uh, day, I said, okay, we're going to need Derek Thomas mic'd up. And somebody replied I said, no, no, no. That's the last thing we need. He's already animated. And he quoted the tweet and says, they know me pretty well. Yeah. And sure enough, they mic'd him up. Fantas- what, what was great about it was he was cheering you know he was cheering for both, but I love the fact that every time that Sam Thomas swatted, which by the way, you like my hoodie, right? I'm, I got the Sam Thomas sweatshirt on. I like it. She has her own brand. Um, I support the. She's a local kid. You root for Arizona. Well, I root for Sam Thomas. She's a local. Um, every time that she swatted one of the Lady Rebels, he, he, they showed and he did the Dikembe Mutombo finger. It was fantastic.
1: Did uh, Jay Thomas almost get you with her reaction after the game?
2: No, I mean, it was, was, I mean, they were, I mean, if if it was the opposite end and Sam Thomas's career was over, she was going to cry and he would hug her and neither one's going to, I mean, and and here's the thing. Jay Thomas has her career in front of her. She played all of a what, about 27 seconds. She didn't get into the end of the game. So, um, didn't get a chance to, to go deep on her bench because she had to use her players, utilize who she had, you know, her stars and her, her stars. Played her
1: freshman a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. Played a freshman a lot. So uh, Mark Davis was there. That was cool. Uh, Mark Davis actually was quoted as saying, "I didn't get a chance to see any of the Lady Rebel games this season. I was at Pierro's last week. Saw Lindy. I told her I'd be in Arizona. He was there. He had the white sweatshirt on, the Raider sweatshirt, and uh, the hair a-glowing, And sure, women's basketball fan.
2: Lindy uh, it was. It, it's no shocker that you know she she's obviously well aware of what Piero's is to the basketball community, but freddie glussman the owner his son evan glussman played for lindy's father al at durango and i'm not sure if they were there at the exact same time but they you know uh, evan definitely saw lindy running around there when she was younger and if they were there at the same time i i, I don't remember if their ages i think evan's older so yeah she's gonna know uh evan glussman and and so it's good you know she's she's out there she belongs She's making the she's making the me that she should be dining at Piero. So she runs into Mark Davis, and that's great. And Mark Davis has proven that he is definitely a fan of women's basketball and a supporter of locals.
1: Number four. I assume he's not a supporter of Duke. Everyone hates Duke. That's just a fact, especially in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. A writer at USA Today said, uh, Good thing Duke made it through to the Sweet 16. We need them. We need the villain Duke. Didn't get that.
2: I didn't get I, that. I don't need him. I don't need Duke.
1: I don't need him. Don't need
2: Coach. Why do we – let me ask you this. Why do we need Duke or Coach K when, I mean, who? what said more in three weeks of March Madness? One shining moment or Duke. I mean, everybody's talking about the highlight. Oh, that's going to be in the final one-shining moment. You know, the hype of – I mean, St. Peter's is a story. That's what we need. We need more St. Peter's.
1: We need more Cinderella's. We don't need Duke. Let me me go through the Sweet 16 and give you the teams that I will root for. Okay. Ready? Houston, yes. Arizona, no. Michigan, no. Villanova, no. Arkansas, no. Gonzaga, no. Texas Tech, no. Duke, no. North Carolina, no. UCLA, yes. St. Peter's, no. Purdue, no. Providence, no. Kansas, no. Iowa State, hell no. Okay, wait a minute. And Miami, I'm indifferent. I'll root for one of these teams in the Sweet 16. There's only
2: one that I'm completely baffled, shocked. Why? And I'm guessing it's because you'll only root for one team from New Jersey.
1: Um, I didn't go to St. Peter's. Uh, Their head coach, I covered him in high school. He snubbed. Rutgers back in the day, so no. Gotcha. Hashtag never forget. Okay, can I, I mean- actually I actually texted that to, to one of our buddies last week, and he's like, dude, you are a psycho. Actually, truth be told, Shaheen Holloway is a really cool story, and he played on St. Patrick um, in Elizabeth, New Jersey, and yep. they were kind of like the outlier program against Bob Hurley's St. Anthony team. St. Anthony would win every year, and Shaheen Holloway came along and was a phenom from 14 years old along with Al Harrington and made it to the NBA, so... know in truth it's actually a really cool story um but i do know this that you know kevin willard off to maryland holloway's probably going to be the Seton hall coach which is a bane of my existence so can i tell you he will be an enemy of mine right after this quick las vegas related but new jersey story it better be quick tim thomas
2: yes 1995 when the adidas inaugural adidas big time tournament came here sonny vicaro came here to put nike invitational out of business that was supposed to be the year of the big man. Tim Thomas came, Lester Earl, Tim Thomas with Patterson, of course. Sure, but you know who overshadowed them and took over that entire class? Kobe Bryant.
1: Hello, hello. Yeah. So, uh, point made there. Uh, literally thirteen or fourteen of the Sweet Sixteen, I will root against. So I don't need a villain. What was your What was your take?
2: What, Villanova? You said no. No, of course not. Why would I? I don't know. But the North Carolina. Play game is the game that I really want to watch out. It does bring back the old school feel, the 70s feel. We talked about that earlier.
1: Number three. If you're the CEO of a franchise, you're getting everything you want. It's all for you, Derek Carr. Why continue to have moments of punching down on social media? What did he send out today about blocking people and clown and clout like bruh you're you're gonna be making 30 35 40 million dollars a year you're one of the most famous athletes in the coolest city in the world just put the phone down i don't get it do you think that that was a
2: specific one message to a friend of the show
1: i have no idea i don't care i don't care who he was targeting i don't you know just Right, Art? Right? You read it, and you're like, what's the freaking point? The fact that it could be so many different people speaks volumes. <laughs> well, a lot of it was about Camp Car and the fact that they block a lot of people. No, I'm saying, that Well, here's,
2: here's the any? funny thing that's come up in the, in the media and some of the, 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 the beat guys, the, the Raider beat writers, is that he's got certain guys blocked that he's also recently liked their tweets because they've proven to be wrong in their prediction of off-season signings. So you're blocked by Derek Carr, but he's liking your tweets. Because when you block somebody, you can go to their page, and it'll say you have blocked so-and-so, but then there's an option to view the tweets. So you can view their tweets, even though you blocked them, so they can't see you. So then you scroll. That tells to tell me that the guy who's continually said, I don't read... This, I don't... Well, you are
1: reading them.
0: Number two.
1: Raiders have picked up a bunch of glamour guys, right? That's a good thing. They've signed a lot of backups, special teamers. What else are we looking at here in terms of needs? Brandon Parker's back in the fold, which is a bit surprising. Um, But he's not really a starting right tackle, is he? More of a rotational guy? He is. um, And Trent Brown's not available. He signed back with New England so I think there were some people who uh, in a sick way wanted to have the reunion with Trent and the Raiders.
2: I think the number 1 need for this team at this point is a corner. They have to get a deep. Right. They got to get a, a CB. They have to get a number 1.
1: Casey Hayward signed two-year deal Falcons. Yeah. So he's, he's gone. gone, which
2: we predicted. So I really do think that they have to go and get themselves, because I don't think Jonathan Abrams is the answer in any way, shape, or form for that defensive back. That secondary, he's in the safety spot. They brought him inside. I just don't see him being the answer. And they they have to get themselves a veteran presence. They can't And they can't rely on a number one defensive back in the upcoming draft.
1: It's got to be somebody, and they have to, somebody that can come. And in. now they traded away their first and second round pick. Yeah, so...
2: They're, they're going to have to do
1: something. The watch is on in the daily update by uh, some insider about Stephon Gilmore deal being done. I guess that continues.
2: Well, here's the thing. Not done. Just so you know, Real G's moving sideways.
1: Number one. Bigger deal today that Marc-Andre Fleury was traded into the realm of the Golden Knights, the uh, the zone, the sphere of the Golden Knights, now that he's with the Minnesota Wild or that the Knights freed up some cap space. Neither The fact that
2: Kelly McCrimmon just went into his press conference and said that Mark Stone and Alec Martinez could be available, should be available, hope to be available by the end of the regular season. That's a bigger deal than any of it, but they have cleared up some cap space. What did they do
1: today, and why did it take so long to actually announce it?
2: Well, apparently, Dadnoff had a no-trade clause. The Ducks were on it, so he had to approve it. He was with them. Never really made it to the ice. He was just there getting ready in the locker room. It was on the table. Um, The deal gets done, and they end up getting um, Ryan Kessler, John Moore. Moore is still on the injured list, and Kessler hasn't played since 1819. So he's on long-time IR until the contract ends up. So they acquire a $6.875 million contract, but then – putting him on ltir it's sort of a zero cap hit in 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 essence and then they they relieve themselves of evgeny dadinov's contract more stays stays there so realistically they've just cleared cap space and they've got a couple of guys on ir one on ir one on ltir uh john moore with the with the buried contract so um you know, it, it allows them to bring these guys back. And, and the fact that they've cleared that space, now they can bring somebody back in. I don't know necessarily about Alec Martinez. Um, it's It's been a long grind. I think he's played 17 games since he took that vicious slice across his face with that blade. And I saw the cut, and it was horrible. I saw it one day up in the press box. He had a mask on, and you could see it right through it. It was, it was terrible. Mark Stone, um, they need him back in the ice. They need his presence back. They need his energy. They need just his that 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 vibe that he brings, and I think that him and Eichel together are going to be phenomenal.
1: On Flurry going to the Wild, are we serious with the games that are played, subtle games that are played through the media on Twitter with Flurry's agent? I saw that uh, NHL media member Frank Saravelli said, in case you're wondering. The Blackhawks informed Mark Andre Fleury of oh, the trade yeah. to the Wild well ahead of the trade call. Sure. Sounds like he was continually kept in the loop by Kyle Davidson. More shots fired sure. at the Vegas Golden Knights. Are we ever going to let this go, Camp Fleury? No. Well, and I won't.
2: I I, I really don't know because Alan Walsh has blocked me. I'm on the block list of that.
1: Okay. So much pettiness and blocking and yeah. How old are you?
2: Me, yeah, I'm 50. I'll be 53 yeah, in another I'm 51, month and a half.
1: Derek Carr is what, whatever he, is, 32, 30, 30. Uh, how Alan Walsh is what, 60? How I mean, blocking no, and easy. drama and messages and subtweets and my God! And then the great thing is, everyone in our age group all the time with the kids
0: these days. Where do they learn it? We are a bunch of <laughs> immature sub tweeting jackasses. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborne Injury Lawyers, 570 9000.
1: This traffic report is brought to you by Meineke, where you can get a basic oil change for only $29.95.
0: And it's over! They're going to the Sweet 16. 70 to 60 win over Murray State. St. Peter's emerges as a tournament darling, and they are Jersey City strong. Oh boy, are they ever!
3: The ball is tipped. There you
1: are. You're running for your life. Why we do this whole thing, right? Call courtesy of CBS. Jim Spernarckel, Ian Eagle, both very familiar with New Jersey, especially Spernarckel. Jersey City strong. St. Peter's advances a 15 advances in the NCAA tournament. We'll see what they can do next against Purdue as uh, roughly 12 and a half point underdogs. One of the other big stories was an 11 advancing. In the NCAA tournament. Iowa State. I have quite the track record over the years. Uh, The the team that I most strongly object to making the field. And it was Iowa State. That I was screaming and yelling about last Tuesday and Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Advances to the Sweet 16. Um, Now I'll say first of all. Winning two games means nothing about what your resume was coming in. Whether you deserve to be there or not. Uh, Just like. The Big Ten flopping in the tournament doesn't mean the Big Ten sucked, nor does the SEC suck because the SEC only has one team left in the Sweet 16. These are one-off and two-off spots, right? But, you know, we're prisoners of the moment. So right now, taking a team from two wins to the Sweet 16 is quite an accomplishment from, from uh, for TJ Altselberger. Why wasn't he that good here? Or is two years not enough to stain a guy? He went 29 and 30 here, and we can come up with all the excuses, but he wasn't great here. And coming into this season, I'm not sure what their prospects really were to bounce, you know, up to 20, 23 wins, and you know, make the NCAA tournament. Arthur Kaluma would have been a nice recruit if they could have held on him. You saw him, you know, and uh, for Creighton in the game against Kansas City, a double double. And by the way, is that even fair to say because I've seen people say he completely failed here. I don't think he completely failed here, but he wasn't great at UNLV. It's and it's it's very odd because you go from the Mountain
2: West to the Big 12, and while the caliber of player may be better with what you're inheriting or what you bring in, but the caliber of play within conference play gets tougher as well. So it it is it's it's a You know, it's a little bit of a head-scratcher because you'd think, well, if you were able to go there in your first year and turn things around against the Big 12, it has, right? The Kansases, the Oklahomas, the Oklahoma State, so on and so forth. Baylor. Baylor, the defending national champion. How about
1: simply said he learned his lesson when putting together a team? If you're going to go into the transfer portal, you got to make sure you get impact guys. And he went and got impact guys from Minnesota and Penn State. And when – he was here. He put all of his eggs, a lot, a lot of his eggs, in the basket of David Jenkins, who was going up to UNLV. Uh, and eventually, the amazing thing is Jenkins went up again to Utah, and this year did not play a, a whole lot. Um, I also thought when you look back at the team that he had recruited for last year, there were a lot of recruiting misses. And I don't know that they were all his choices, but Buck stops here. You're the head coach. You know, you're the one who's got to answer for Eduardo Delcadia. Devin Tillis, guys like that.
2: Does it Caleb Grill, who were, actually
1: is now on Iowa State again?
2: Were his lessons learned here or along the way, and he real more of a realization? Because, and and maybe Iowa State's more attractive. Maybe UNLV is just not attractive anymore to a certain place. Well, we
1: I guess we're going to find out this coming season to see what Kevin Kruger gets out of the portal. Could it
2: could it could all it could all lay lie within the coach as well if he if he can draw players here the same way he helped his father draw players to Oklahoma but he's got to yeah. there's got to be a selling point there's got to be something that attracts you to UNLV. I mean, if you
1: go back six seven years ago, UNLV and Iowa State went head to head on Rashad Vaughn and yeah. on Shakur Houston. UNLV won. They came out on top. Now I don't know if. Resources have changed. Well, Maybe and, that's the you case, know what, Steve, to, to,
2: to go back to your point yeah. earlier about the Lady Rebels is now you have these NILs from, and you have the attractive bigger conferences with more exposure as well, television packages for the players that have further aspirations beyond college. Do they want to be at those bigger schools that may attract the bigger NIL contracts and also get you the bigger exposure with the schools and the conferences that have yeah. more TV time.
1: Well, just on the baseline of the NIL, it's that would be pretty sobering if UNLV can't compete with Iowa State on it's, the NIL front. Yeah. Ames, Iowa is beating out Las Vegas.
2: Las Vegas should be a selling point and should be, I mean, there should be a number of corporations up and down the strip and around town throughout Southern Nevada that should be able to fund players. In some way, shape, or form.
0: Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. Colfield and Company. Field and Company.
1: Olivari on the far side. Put it on goal. Save Thompson. <laughs> a wrist shot from Spence. Turned away by Thompson. And the Golden Knights with a big five-one win over the Kings.
0: Terrific performance in net for Logan Thompson.
1: A great effort by Logan Thompson. Knights against the Kings. That was a big game. Right now, Knights on the road, losing six minutes left in the first period. It's one nothing against the Wild. The big story of the day, the Wild getting... Mark andre Fleury. So uh, Darryl Evans played for the Kings and several other teams in the NHL. He's analyst for the Kings. Gives us a little bit of his time here with uh, Cofield and Willie in Vegas. Darryl, how are you? I am great. How you guys doing today? We're good. We're good. We're good. good. Um, you know, I, I actually wanted to start off on a weird note. Are you following the L.A. football scene in the NFL at all uh, with the Chargers or ah. the Rams? I wonder how many people are gravitating in L.A. Uh, back to the Rams or, you know, fresh start with the Chargers.
3: You know, I'm not. I don't get too involved in that. Uh, you know, I keep my eye on it. I'm kind of from the from the perimeter looking in, but uh, nothing that uh, you know I get I get too uh, caught up in. So uh, probably not uh, a good person to ask on that one.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the the theme is the AFC West has been loading up on players, and um, with the trade deadline today, I thought it was interesting that Minnesota, you know, added it all up, and they're like, we need help at goalie. So what do you think of Mark Andre Fleury going to the Wild? Yeah, it's,
3: a, it's an interesting, uh, you know, acquisition for, for Minnesota, you know, being that Flory's still got some time. Um, you know, I think, you know, it, it, can go, it can go either way. I mean, you know, there's no doubt that Flory's got the experience uh, to be able to play at this time of year. What's he got left in the tank right now? You know, do you disrupt a pretty good chemistry that, you know, has been established in Minnesota for the last couple of years? What impact does it have in the locker room? Uh, you know, and if uh, you know, Fleury's able to transition and you know, and fit in the way they expect him to. So there's a little bit of a gamble there, a little bit of an unknown. But if he's cap- or if he's uh, able to come in and perform, uh, you know, at the level that uh, you know he's capable of playing at, that it's definitely uh, you know an uptick uh, an uptick for them in, in with regards to that position.
2: On a local front, Daryl, so the Golden Knights make a deal with the Ducks. Um, they acquire the contract of Ryan Kessler. They get John Moore, who's on IR. Kessler, of course, on LTIR, zero cap hit there. But they get rid of Evgeny Dadnov. So they're clearing up some cap space. At Kelly McCrimmon's press conference today, he said that it's hopeful that, and possible that Mark Stone and Alec Martinez will be back by the end of the regular season. Um, you, you've had a chance, obviously, call some games involving Kings and the Golden Knights this season. Have you seen? I mean, can you think of a? And we talked about this the other night in the press box, you and I. The Kings and Golden Knights combined had like 19 players on IR combined. Um, as far as the Golden Knights are concerned, do they have something left in the tank that they can make a run here uh, with these final few games?
3: I think when you look at you know the lineups that were you know in the game the other day. I think program sales were up in the arena. I mean, uh, you know, you had to find out who was playing in the game, but, no, I, you know, I think they do. I mean, when you look at what the Golden Knights have done over the last handful of years and with the roster, when healthy, what they're capable of doing, there's no doubt. And if, you know, if they can, you know, get a player or two back, and the Kings are in a very similar situation. Uh, they're looking to get a couple of players back here, you know, in, in the near future, and you know, as time goes on, to get more back as well. Uh, you, you would only you would only think that uh, you know, especially when you add in guys like Martinez, who's had you know one Stanley Cups, and you know Stone. You know, we know what his presence and what he can bring to the team. Uh, you know, they can definitely impact a hockey club. And but right now, it's you, know, you can't really look down the road too much because uh, there's a lot that's at stake before those guys do get into the lineup. So you know, they've got to weather the storm right now, and. Try to keep their heads above water and uh, and see what they're capable of doing. But if they're able to get those guys back before the you know before the end, and they're able to you know to get in some games, there's no doubt that those two individuals will will have uh, an impact on uh, on the results of the games that they they're able to dress in.
2: You played obviously alongside some of the greatest, and you know that once the it doesn't really matter the seed once you hit the postseason, the hot goaltender can carry you a long way. For the Golden Knights, it's somewhat been a a bit of an issue. And Leonard is on IR. Brassois, who is supposed to be his initial backup, is 1-6-1 his last eight start. And hot hand is last year's AHL Goalie of the Year, Logan Thompson, and he's in net tonight. Um, How concerning is it that the Golden Knights need to be as far as their goaltending situation right now?
3: Uh, You know, I I don't think they can get too caught up in that position. Uh, You know, they're they're playing a little different style, and I think not only you know they're getting different goaltending, but with you know the personnel that they've added, the changes that they've made, you know, going back the last couple of years, you know, they play a they play a different game, uh, and I think they're probably in a position where you know they expect to score a little bit more, and probably they probably think they you know they might not be quite as you know as good in the goaltending position, but with the, the guys that they added on the blue line went healthy you know, with guys like Martinez and like that, McNabb back in the lineup, those guys definitely make a, you know, a different impression there. So it cre- it gives you the ability to be able to create more offense and structurally as a team, uh, you know, they should be able to shut it down defensively. But I don't think they have to get too caught up in the goaltending position. Uh, you know, as long as everybody else is doing their job, they can, I think they can camouflage that enough to, you know, to give, uh, you know, like a guy like Thompson himself, uh, you know, enough to be able to get his feet underneath him and, You know, what you look for is you look for a goaltender to make, the you know, the routine saves, not to give up the easy goals. If they make a spectacular one here and there, that's great. But there's no point in making a spectacular save if they're going to give up, you know, a softie or two in the game because it's the softies that end up, you know, demoralizing the team. They take the wind out of your sails. So, uh, you know, I don't think they're looking for, you know, a goaltender to stand on their head. Uh, At this point, it's a different story when you get to the postseason, but they need to get to the
1: dance floor first. Are you surprised by the Kings' turnaround, or why has this happened?
3: Ah, no, not at all. Uh, I think it's been uh, a long, long time in the works. Uh, I know Rob Blake, Luke Robitaille have done a great job at retaining the draft choices, and a credit to Mark Unnetti, who you know heads off the scouting department. Uh, you know they've done their due diligence on the and the people that they've uh, you know drafted and recruited, and then uh, to the development team. Uh, you know those guys have done a great job, uh, both on and off the ice, at you know turning these young players. Uh, you know, into into professionals, they, they still have a long way to go yet, but they've taken leaps and strides, and you know, being that they're playing in uh, meaningful games, you know, this season is is uh, is a big plus, uh, something that you know they haven't been able to you know do for the last few years. So these this is a this is a big growing period for them. Uh, I think when you look at what Rob Blake and you know uh, they did in Luke the off season last year, adding uh, guys like Dano, Arvidsson, and Edler. Uh, you know, that, uh, that, that accelerates things quite a bit, and I'm sure they'll be very active again this offseason and look to complement the group that they have and, uh, ex, you know, expect some more growth in the young guys that uh, we, you know, we've had a chance to look at uh, pretty consistently this year.
2: Anywhere from 18 to 20 games left between the four teams atop the Pacific Division, 12 points separate, Calgary first place, Vegas fourth, L.A. and Edmonton in between. Who's the dangerous team to watch down the stretch?
3: I, you know, it could be any of any of the teams. I think it's you know a team that you know is able to get hot. Uh, you know, again, being uh, you know a two of the four teams we're looking at aren't the healthiest of teams. Being you know the Kings and the Golden Knights, uh, uh, you know the Oilers are a dangerous team offensively. You know, can they perform? Can they, you know, can they get a nice firepower out in in tight checking games against uh, some of the other teams? Uh, you know, only time will tell, but. I think all four teams have the ability to be able to go on a run, uh, not only in a you know in a constructive way, but also in a in a destructive way as well. Uh, you know, when you're playing so many games in a short period of time, uh, you know things snowball and and can and can turn really quick. So, uh, you know, you want to get hot, but uh, it's uh, it's a matter of just you know keep giving yourself a chance each and every night. Uh, and I think. You know the four teams that are that are in the battle. Uh, for the most part, they've done that. You know, every team's had a little bit of a hiccup here and there, but they've also had some runs that they probably, you know, wouldn't have predicted. Uh, you know, coming forth. So uh, I think it's going to be a dogfight all the way down, all the way down to the last, uh, you know, last couple of games there, and it should be very exciting. And you know, the fans are the ones that are going to benefit the most. Uh, you know, the managers and coaches and you know, owners and things like that. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of. Uh, you know, tense moments, but uh, should be a lot of fun, a lot of great hockey here in, a, in the remaining six weeks.
2: Outside the Pacific Division, your eyes on which team that right now stands out as the best in the NHL?
3: Well, I think you have to take a look at Colorado. Um, you, know, they've, uh, you know, they've been kind of knocking on the door the last couple of years, a couple of changes that they've made. Uh, we'll see, you know, what type of growth that they've had. I think you have to look back over to the East. Uh, you know, you, you can't push aside Tampa that knows how to win, uh, having won the last couple. I think Florida's made some great additions to their hockey club. They're making a strong push over there. I think Giordano will help Toronto out a little bit, um, but you know, I think uh, I think Florida's probably one that you have to take a look at as well as Carolina. Uh, you know, I think that division is extremely strong, and, and you know, the unfortunate thing is some of those teams are going to beat each other up before they even get out of there. So. That's a benefit for everybody else in the league, but you know, for the teams that are in that battle, there's probably a couple of those teams are going to go out, you know, earlier than expected. That probably deserve, uh, you know, a, a little bit longer of a fate to be able to get, uh, you know, into maybe the semifinals or something.
1: Darrell Evans with us, so one of the voices of the Kings. Very important stuff here. Willie is a suit guy. I'm kind of a sports coat guy. I was looking at your uh, Saint Patty's Day. Was that a full suit or was that just a jacket? No, that was a full suit. Full suit. Oh boy, where'd you get that at? <laughs>
3: Ah, uh, that, you know, that was just one, uh, you know, we, we have, a when we have our, like our theme nights and things like that, uh, for the most part, uh, I'll get some, uh, suits and, uh, we get them from different companies that we'll, uh, auction off through our, through our foundation and money goes to our charity and that. And, uh, it's, it's a fun little thing to do. So it, it's something that we've done for a number of years. Uh, but I've, I've got a, a suit maker here in, in Los Angeles that, uh, she makes the majority of my suits and, uh, She's done like my my Vegas themed suits with the roulette wheels and the you know the cards and the dice and all that kind of oh, wow. stuff. Uh, yeah, but I have a lot of fun with that. That's uh, that's something I look forward to is is getting dressed for the games. And Willie does a great job at it as well.
2: I, I, and I have to say, the first season the Golden Knights entered the league. I was well aware when the kings were in town, and I wore this gold, this mustard-colored gold zoot suit, and I had the chance to walk in the same hallway with the illustrious Daryl Evans, and he stopped me. He goes, now that is a suit, and I was like, yes, it worked, and we took a picture, and ever since then, it's tradition. We take a picture, and it was fantastic, and it's funny. The other night, he wore this shiny black suit, and... The play-by-play and analyst for TV, um, Dave and Shane, they wore shiny suits. I said, I know that they got dressed up because you're in town.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I got I to gotta keep that in mind man, when I come to vegas for playing those guys. Those guys are trying to show me up, so I'm going to have to turn it up a notch. I like <laughs> the challenge.
1: The pressure's on. Daryl. thank you so much for spending some time with us. We appreciate it.
3: My pleasure, guys. Keep up the great work and enjoy some exciting hockey here in the remaining four to six weeks.
1: All right. Thanks, Daryl. That should be good down the stretch here. And the Kings are – I mean, I know he said, hey, they've been building towards this, but they are one of the surprise teams of the Pacific. And Nobody this division has surprised a lot of people because I heard a lot of hockey experts who were like, easy division, nights are going to roll, division sucks. I'm like, yeah. okay, hasn't sucked. Well, the thing is, the one thing that you have to take in consideration when you
2: say that is if, if it sucks so bad and everybody's going to be fighting for those four spots, you're sort of beating each other up and you're getting – you're, you're sort of getting ready for contentious battle in the playoffs. I mean, if you look at the the uh, Central Division, Colorado's ahead by 16 points over St. Louis, right? Florida's got 90. Tampa Bay, two-time defending champs, 84. And then uh, Carolina and the Rangers are right there tight and fighting. But the Pacific Division, you know, they're, they're, they've been scrapping and fighting, so they're going to be somewhat battle-tested and ready once they start
1: facing the other division. Interesting. On the way back to hit briefly, but the uh, RJ did a, I won't say a deep dive, but very shallow water look at the tourism success of booking at Allegiant Stadium. And there are some really good numbers in there. But I think we're ignoring uh, ignoring one important issue when it comes to fans actually getting into the building.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents... Hello, Vegas! grab bag
2: don't touch it don't even look at it
0: only on espn las vegas stick
2: your hand in there dude
1: so st peter's big story going on the sweet 16 in college basketball the officiating in several spots just got completely crushed why do you think that was was it that bad or was it as i suggested earlier Gambling has more people amped up or gambling has people more amped up. Um, I also think a lot more commoners who don't watch college basketball, newbies. Maybe they're shocked by some of the confusing ways that the games are called with no clear picture on what a block and a charge is that the rest of us see all year because we cover college basketball.
2: Yeah, and I think you have to just take in consideration the crews that are working them if, if there's consistency throughout. So if you're sitting there saying, wow, that's terrible. They haven't called this all game. Well, then if they haven't called it all game, then that means that they're consistently not making the calls. They're, are they allowing them to play? If they're blatant and it's, you know, I don't want to say one-sided, but, you know, or if they weren't calling something the entire game and then all of a sudden at the end they're making a call, then I think you have legitimate beef. It just it, it, and I think gambling probably does shed a little bit more of a spotlight. You're going to hear more of an outcry because you got sports betting across the country, whereas in years past it would have just come from Vegas people. But uh, yeah, it's probably. I mean, I think it's a combination of a lot of things, really.
0: Stick your hand in there, Dave.
1: So officiating was rough. In some spots, including did you see the technical that was given to Illinois on a dunk where the player was hanging on the rim? A lot of people flipped out about that. They're like, what is the big freaking deal?
2: Cause he didn't hang on the rim. He did he 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 basically he gave an extra tug and he was down with that. I mean, that's not to me, he did not hang on the rim. I just don't I don't believe that he I mean, he, he goes up, he dunks it, he was in motion, he swung one way. You could argue that maybe he was just trying to control himself, but he, I, to me he wasn't hanging. There was no boisterous, you know, taunting of a hang on the rim. I thought it was a bogus call.
1: Stick your hand in there, Dave. Did you see the RJ story on Allegiant Stadium being a tourism success?
2: I did. I did. And I sent it over just for you um why
1: I'm not anti-stadium or anti-stadium funding i just as i said repeatedly i think they could have gotten a better deal that's all from the state's end and we won't really know the impact of a stadium for like 10 years now as the story pointed out we're back on track for what we need to pay off the bonds you know they, they're going to they got to pay off $750 million. They yep. had to go into the war chest a little bit during COVID. No one saw that coming. That was a crazy, yep. otherworldly event. They're back to bringing in roughly four to four and a half million dollars a month
2: mm-hmm.
1: in hotel room tax. Okay. So they're in decent shape. By the way, they realize that also goes to pay off the convention center build. Mm-hmm. So we're still on pace to pay it off in whatever, 20 years. And, you know, solid start. Hopefully nothing else like COVID happens. Um, I did think it was really interesting that they used, and they quickly backtracked in the story. But they used this. Uh, what's what's the uh, boy band, Korean band? What is it? BTS pop some. What pop, is it called? Pop K K pop. K pop. K pop.
2: I'm not familiar with it. When it, when they, when, it, when the thing was first announced, I was familiar with it. I heard some other people talking about it, and there are some girlfriends of. I, I don't. I, I, you know, there. I guess. I hope you're
1: going to say girl f- or women who have daughters
2: no girlfriends of of radio hosts or or people that i know that they're fans of people i know their girlfriends are fans of this yeah. of this band and i guess it's the new Sync the new backstreet the new right. new kids on the block from where are they from somewhere
1: they're south oh, korean so south Korea. so okay. bts so they they put up four shows okay they sold out in an hour and a half which you're like holy crap that's a 60,000 seat stadium now, a couple of things here. I don't know if people saw the John Oliver piece. Was it a couple of weeks ago about the problems with companies like Ticketmaster and how many tickets are actually going to the public anymore? Because you notice a lot of shows sell out, and then you go to buy on the secondary market, you pay a pretty penny. Then you're in the arena or stadium, and you're like, "Where is everybody?" That happened to me with the Pro Bowl. I pay like a you know a good amount of money to get into the Pro Bowl. I get in there, and I'm like, "There's no one here." Yeah. Why were these tickets so hard to get? So that, that is, now, the, the point of the story is the stadium is doing well. So someone is getting those tickets, so they're making their money. It's just that I, I think a lot of tourists and people on the ground here are looking for tickets for events, and we're like, well, how the hell do we get them without paying through the nose? And the other thing with the BTS thing is the crowd, you th- we think, is going to be lots of young people. That's not exactly bang-up business for Casinos. So it's, you know, it's this whole thing of like, we have to get the numbers, grade the success of what's going on in the stadium. And, you know, in 50 plus dates other than football, that's all to be determined. There, there's no finality on this yet.
2: No. And there won't be for a few years.
1: A long time. Yeah. I'll tell you the best, the best way to judge what kind of tourists are coming into town tied to different events is to talk to the people on the ground who work at the casinos and they know who the schnooks are, and they know who actually brings money. They know the louses, servers, and, and they know the events that actually bring in quality people yeah. that are spending lots of money.
2: Ser- servers, table dealers, people that are actually working out there to make our to make our city go.